Lynn Cherry. She is the, the United States champion of pickleball. Now, when I say champion, I mean she's she has a great podcast, the biggest podcast in the world, I believe, on pickleball. She has a great magazine. Pickleball is a wonderful sport. We have a, a serious issue in this country with exercise. It's just people getting out. Pickleball is the perfect antidote for it. Uh, it's not too demanding on the body. Um, I'm not going to, I don't want to say you can't get hurt, but it's difficult to get hurt. There's not a lot of impact. It's played on a smaller court, badminton size. You play with a paddle and a large kind of wiffle ball. Uh, but look up pickleball YouTube videos. You, you'll, you'll see some great rallies going back and forth. There's a whole set of rules. It's not complicated at all. There's maybe four or five rules. Uh, I haven't played it yet, but I do have the equipment. I plan on playing it very, very soon this week. In fact, uh, I, I can't wait. I, I do play golf. I play tennis and I would like to add pickleball as well. Uh, it's a wonderful sport. If you're, if you're a competitive junkie, it has that. If you just want to get a little bit of exercise, get your, your heart beating a little bit, it fits that bill as well. But pickleball, a wonderful sport. It's about 50 years old, made from uh, a family in Washington. Uh, wait till you hear why they call it pickleball. Lynn will tell you in this conversation. Pickleball, people, take a look at it. Get out there. Tell your friends. Walk around a little bit. Get some exercise. You're going to love this conversation with Lynn. She's great, great podcast, great magazine. Pickleball. Take a look. I must have said pickleball at least 30 times in this one minute. You're probably annoyed. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Lynn Cherry, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. It is great to be here today. Pickleball. I I I couldn't I couldn't believe how I can't believe how light the ball is. It's uh it's it's really, really cool sport. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. It's kind of hard to find uh, you know, a good place to play in some opponents because it's so new, but it's very exciting. Tell me, tell me about your love for pickleball. You know, my love for pickleball started almost four years ago now. And I moved to Connecticut from Texas after living there for 25 years and growing up in Southern California. So I move into the very cold Northeast and I'm wondering <laughs> what am I going to do during the winter? 
and I've always been very active and into sports. So I looked at the local recreation center and they had something called pickleball. Now, granted, I, at that time, like many people, still had not heard of this sport, which has been around since 1965. But I went ahead and went to the local gym just to peek in the door to see them playing the sport. And I thought, wow, this looks like a great game. I'm sure I'm going to love it. And I was about to walk away. And as soon as, you know, because I was only there for a minute, somebody comes up and says, hey, do you want to play? And I'm like, oh, you know, I don't have a paddle. I've never played. I don't know anything about the game. They said, oh, no problem. They go over to their bag. They pull out one of their own pickleball paddles, put it in my hand and say, you got to try it. You got to try it. So I did for about 10 minutes. And then I had to um, head out to dinner. But as soon as I was done with dinner, I immediately went to Dick's Sporting Goods and bought a paddle. Huh. You were hooked. Oh, no doubt. And you know what? There are so many people who are hooked. It's really amazing. I did a survey recently of about 1,500 pickleball players and asked them if they plan to keep playing over this next year because, you know, think about New Year's resolutions and whatnot. And I swear 99.9% of them said, oh, yeah, I will absolutely be playing pickleball. Very cool. Can I ask what town in Connecticut? Because I I live and from Wallingford, north of New Haven. Oh. I live in Bristol and oh, I play Bristol. in Southington and Cheshire huh. Huh. and West Hartford. Of course. Very cool. I'm down in Tampa for the winter because I'm empty nest now, but I will be back. Very, very cool. And so the origins of pickleball. So a family in Washington state made it in the sixties. If you can imagine that, Pickleball, even though a lot of people still have never heard of it, it was invented in 1965. So actually, that's pretty close to my age. But yeah, it was yeah, it was a group of uh, people getting together, you know, with their families. It was probably Labor Day or Memorial Day. It was during the summer. They had planned to play badminton, but they ended up they didn't have all the equipment that they needed. So I guess they had put up the net or something, and they're like, "Oh well, we've got some ping pong paddles and." They also were like, well, how about a how about a wiffle ball? You know, kind of that light plastic ball like you were talking sure. about. Sure. And um, they decided to lower the net because they, you know, had a lot of kids. And, you know, there was some people, you know, lots of adults. And one of the gentlemen was very tall. So they lowered the net. So it is roughly the height of a of a tennis net. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's how the game got started. And it's just gone crazy the last couple of years. Very interesting. And the, and the, the racket, Oh no, I'm sorry. A paddle. We call it a paddle. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's bigger than a ping pong paddle. It's a little more square. And, uh, so let's talk about the rules. What's the kitchen? <laughs> well, yeah, everybody, that's the first thing you'll hear when you learn the rules just about right. is that you cannot step into the kitchen, which is an area seven feet from the net on both sides of the court you cannot step into that area and hit the ball in the air. So essentially you cannot volley the ball in that area. If the ball bounces, you can step in and hit the ball no problem. But the reason for that rule again is that because it was a, a game invented by a family, they didn't want the adults or you know anybody really tall to have an advantage at the net. 
you know, much like you would in tennis or even volleyball, the taller you are, Mm. the more advantage you have. So they, they kind of set the game up so that it equalized you regardless of your body type. Yeah. So it's about, it's the same size, the court itself, same size as badminton. I think it's like 20 by 44, if I'm not mistaken. And then you have like this kind of area marked off called the kitchen, like you said, seven feet off the, off the, from the net. And when you serve, you've got to serve in opposite, um, opposite quadrants. And it's got to bounce not only on the serve, but on the return of serve. Correct. You've got it. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, those are, those are some of the basic rules and it really doesn't get too much more complicated than that right can't bounce twice got to keep it within the court obviously uh, it's much like tennis or badminton uh after that and i mean there you know you 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 type it in uh youtube and you see some incredible plays some quick motion around the back and between the legs and just bop 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 going back and forth it's great that's the thing about the game is that if you want to play it really competitively, you can do that. You can play in mm. tournaments. They even have a, a pro tour. They've got a pro yeah. tour or senior pros, and then they've got regular pros. But if you just want to have fun with the game and have it be really social and something that is very intergenerational, you know, it provides that opportunity. As I mentioned, there's a couple rules in pickleball that kind of equalize the playing field, so to speak. And that's why you can have a 70-year-old playing with a 20-year-old, and they can absolutely positively be competitive and, uh, you know, play and um, compete and also have fun. Yeah, and it adds an extra layer of kind of uh, a social element. Since it's a little bit smaller, it's a little more intimate, whereas tennis, you know, you're so far from each other and, um, you know, it's just a bigger court and it just adds that level. And, yeah, it equals out even the skill level in tennis. They have a skill system. I, I think I'm around a 3.5 or something like that to four. And they're able to have tournaments based on those kind of ratings. Is there one similar to in, in pickleball? Absolutely. It is very similar rating system. The high level amateurs, amateurs now go up to about 5.0. Anybody above that would be a professional and the ratings are, are very similar. And as I mentioned, you know, you've got somebody who's a four five, four dot five player, and they can play in a tournament with, you know, being seventy, say, and they can be in a tournament with hmm. twenty year olds, and they are able to compete in the same division and be very competitive, do very well. The only catch is the way pickleball tournaments are, you might play, you know, one division for eight hours in a day, which is obviously a lot. And so, you know, if you're older, you do tend to, if you're getting to the semis and the finals, you're probably going to be a little bit more tired than the 20 year olds, but the skill level would be very comparable. Very, very interesting. And so let's talk about injuries. So in tennis, we have tennis elbow uh, and, you know, golf, we have kind of golf elbow, which is in between. I happen to play both sports and ironically enough, I developed tennis elbow playing golf. So as far as I understand it, <laughs> golf elbow is kind of the outside and and t- uh, tennis elbow is kind of the inside of the elbow. Are there any common uh, injuries in pickleball? People will get some tennis elbow, but I think it's much less common because mm. the paddle itself, it's only about eight ounces. And then mm. the ball is plastic. So it's light. 
And that's one of the things that makes pickleball attractive to all all age groups is that it's not that hard on your body. It's not to say you can't get injured. You certainly can. But I think that the injuries are much less frequent than in a sport like tennis, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, I haven't, I can't wait to start playing it and maybe we'll talk again when I start playing it. But I mean, as far as tennis, you're actually using it, although you're not using your wrist that much and ping pong table tennis, it's much more wrist it is, is pickleball kind of in between. You know, there is not a lot of wrist action when oh, you see. play pickleball. Uh, it's a little bit more like tennis. Now, if you hit a, you serve underhand in pickleball, mm. but if the ball is hit up high, you can certainly hit an overhead where you would use your wrist. So there's a couple occasions in pickleball where you use your wrist, but in general, you pretty much want to stay away from it. You know, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't, it, it, I don't want to get too, you know, political here, but just, it just seems that America has such an issue with, you know, obesity, overweight, we need to get out, we need to exercise, you know, and something that's low impact, that's less likely to get hurt, like pickleball, just seems like the perfect solution. Get out there and get some sweat going on and make it a little competitive, make the hour or wherever go by quickly and, and get some exercise at the same time. It seems like such a natural fit. It is. And I think that's certainly why the game is just absolutely taken off. You know, I've talked to people on my podcast where they've lost 50, 75, 100 pounds just by playing pickleball. And honestly, it's something where people get addicted to it in a positive way. I mean, you know, if you think about it, when, you know, I kind of laid off and during the worst of COVID, stayed away from, you know, playing pickleball and being around other people until I was, you know, ready to do that. And, you know, I was off for quite a while. So I had to work my way back into playing. And so, you know, first I play 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and then I'm working myself up to two hours. And that's really common in pickleball is that, you know, people be, have play for two hours and then they'll say, oh, yeah, I've got to go. And then their friends will say, oh, come on, let's play another game. Well, five or six games later, they're still there. I mean, wow. that's what's so amazing because the, even if you've never played a sport, you can enjoy it. So mm. I, I can't tell you that I've played with many people who have certainly never done a racket sport, probably not done any sports. And they come on the game, they come into the game and the people who are, you know, have played a little while will help them with the rules, you know, help them practice, help them drill, they'll play games with them. So that's another thing in pickleball is that you, it's not so segregated like tennis where kind of, you only like to play people your level. You know, it's, it's kind of, you drop in, you play pickleball, you could have somebody who's never picked up a, a paddle or you could have somebody who's a very, very good amateur player, you know, and they all play together. That is a very big issue with tennis because if, you know, at a three, five, if I play, you know, if I play a two, it won't be fun for them. If I play a five, it won't be fun for them. Right. So, uh, you have to play somebody at your own, uh, level. Now golf has a handicap system while it's not perfect. It, it does try to lend itself to even out the competition and pickleball. You're just kind of, I think you're, you're kind of saying it's not really needed. No, not, you could still have fun. 
even if you've got some disparity in skill levels. Mm. When I play, I always go to a, a game or a match and I have something specific that I'm working on. So even if I play people who can't keep the ball in a rally as long, you know, I can work on my serve, uh, I can work on my serve return. You know, there's always something that you can work on, you know, regardless of who you're playing. And is there a main governing body to pickleball, like the USTA equivalent? There's a number of governing bodies. Uh, for oh, There is USA Pickleball for the U.S., and a lot of other, you know, like you've got the Canadian equivalent, but there's also the International Federation of Pickleball, which now has probably almost 70 member countries. And that's the organization, the group that's going to bring pickleball to the Olympics. And actually, I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm affiliated with them because I uh, have put out a magazine to the Pickleball Fire magazine. And that's actually the official magazine of the International Federation of Pickleball. So there's lots of controversy over what, because I know they took out like Greco wrestling and they took out a bunch of, they added golf, by the way, I'm talking about the Olympics and um, there's lots of controversy there. And when will pickleball be in the Olympics? That's a bit of an unknown at this point, but in terms of, how interestingly enough, I, I learned this recently. I did not know this, but basically, the sports that are included in the Olympics that is up to the city that's hosting the Olympics. Wow, you know, which is something that I didn't know until I spoke quite a bit with the president of the IFP and found that out. So, the wow. sports are already set like for LA in 2028. Um, you know, and there's, there's the sports that are, you know, a part of the Olympics and then there's exhibition sports, both set, both, all of that is already set. So <laughs> the soonest that, you know, pickleball could potentially even be an exhibition sport would be after the LA Olympics in 2028. So, you know, it'll be at least 10 years, but it, wow. it takes a while to kind of work through that process and, and make it happen. But it, the, it's, uh, it's going to happen. And how about uh, college level sports? I mean, here in the U.S., we use the college. I don't know if any other Europe certainly doesn't do that, but college is a you know a sport. College football is the you know the biggest thing here with after the NFL with all the money it makes. So, will there be a collegiate level pickleball league? Is there one already? There, it, right now, pickleball is a club sport for many universities. They haven't made it into the official NCAA type of setting yet. And I I know that a lot of people are really looking forward to that. I played with somebody recently when I was in Arizona, and I think he's a sophomore in high school, and he prefers pickleball over tennis. And he's he's hoping that they start giving scholarships, you know, by the time, you know, he's he's a senior. You know, things have happened so fast in the last two years potentially that that could happen in that amount of time yeah then and then then it'll if they're giving scholarships and it's at the college level then it'll attract money and maybe sponsorship and then you know that's where it really gains ground around this country needs money well it 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 already has i mean recently there's two professional pickleball tours and one of them recently had a billionaire purchase it yeah, it's it is it is now on the on the map, and so it's you know everybody sees it, 
as no doubt the next huge, huge growth uh, sport. Very, very cool. And is it generally tennis players, racquetball players, badminton players that come over to it? Do you know like kind of the the route to route to market? <laughs> the the route to market certainly. You know, I I can only tell you from experience. I would say fifty percent of the people that I know who play pickleball come from tennis. Maybe ten percent racquetball, hmm. and forty percent. You know, probably probably 20% never played a sport and 20% of, you know, at least done something like running or biking or what have you. And that's, that's actually a great survey question. I'm going to have to throw that out to my, to my audience. Yeah. I mean, I'm just excited about it. I, you know, I was excited to talk to you and I looked into it more and then now I'm following it all over the place. And I ordered, you know, I ordered a racket and uh, I'm going to get some friends involved. I, I did notice that there are some courts near here. I'm in the Tampa area for the winter, I think I mentioned. But when I come back uh, north, I'll definitely look at um, yeah, Cheshire. Cheshire is right in my, my back door. So the current iteration that we have of the sport and the current rule set, has there been a big uh, change? Has there, big, has there been an, uh, you know, a rules evolution to the current iteration that we have now? That's actually a great question. In uh, 2021, there was a couple big rule changes, and one of them had to do with serving, and the other one had, well, actually, both of them had to do with serving. One Mm. of them had to do with, you know, the original rule in pickleball is that you had to contact the ball in the air, so it could not bounce on the ground before you hit it. Now, there's many people find that hard to do, so they wanted to make it easier for beginners. So now you can also drop the serve ha- or drop the ball, have it bounce, and then hit your serve. So there's there's other rules, you know, associated with how you serve, but essentially it it is an underhand serve. It is not an overhead serve. And really the reason for that is pickleball is much more of a game about precision and strategy. Mm than power. So tennis is definitely more power oriented. Pickleball Mm -hmm. is not so much that way. It is, has much more to do with how precise you can hit your shots and, and really strategy too. So that was, that was one serving related rule. That was a big change. The other one was that it used to be in pickleball. If you hit a serve and the ball hit the net and it landed in the area where it was supposed to, then you could hit another serve. But now if it hits the net and it goes into the box that it needs to be in, you actually play it. So wow. that's, yeah. So that's, you know, like, you know, the other rule would have been similar to tennis, but the new rule yeah. is, is different. So very interesting. Yeah. We call that a Latin tennis and they get two new serves. That's a, uh, so do you get two serves? Just actually just one serve in oh, pickleball. Say. But you have to serve to score, which is different than tennis. That's right. You have you can only score points when you serve. Typically, games are played to eleven points, and you have to win by two. Got to win by two. Yeah. So the one rule you mentioned about the bounce. So you're behind the baseline, and you're saying that some people like to drop the ball, let it bounce, and then again, you've got to swing underhand below your waist, the paddle below your wrist into the uh, uh, the diagonal quadrant. Uh, so you can do that now, whereas you couldn't before. 
That's correct. That's correct. Oh. And, you know, it's typically easier for people who are just starting to play to be able to bounce the ball first and then hit their serve. It's just mechanically, there's just kind of less, less moving parts. So it's easier to do. And actually I serve like that because I was a former racquetball player. Uh -huh. And so I'm used to bouncing the ball first and then hitting it. So that's, that's my style also. And again, the ball is like wiffle ball, but it's more the size of like a softball. It's larger. Uh, correct. It's larger than a, it's kind of in between a baseball and a softball. I see. A little bit larger than a baseball, but it's, you know, the ball, if you think about uh, a wiffle ball, you know how sometimes the kids get those uh, plastic ball sets, you know, with a little bat and a wiffle ball. That's essentially what it is. Hmm. So if you're playing singles after your serve and you win, you win your point, you go to the other side and you, you alternate that way. Like in Yes. That piece would be similar to tennis, both in singles and doubles. And, you know, one thing I should mention is that I think 95% of pick, pickleball play is doubles. And that's mm. another reason why it's so social. It's just, you know, having four people on the court, you're close in proximity. And, um, you know, there's there's even professional pickleball players that I've had on my podcast, and they, they don't want to play singles because it is really hard to play pickleball singles especially at a high level, because it's very, very difficult to pass an opponent when you play singles because the court is small. So you end up with very, very long rallies that rely much more on strategy and placement than on power. Uh, so endurance comes into play. Oh, yeah, especially in singles, yes. Yeah, because in tennis, when you play singles, the court is narrowed. But it doesn't seem like that makes a change. There's no change in pickleball. The court stays the same size. That's true. It, yeah, you are exactly right. There is no doubles alley like you would have in tennis. It is the same size regardless of whether you play singles or doubles. Fascinating. And so with doubles, uh, when it's uh, you and I are on the same team, I'm on the, I'll call it the deuce side. Deuce and add, do we use that term? Uh, the tennis players do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I see. It gets carried over. So if I serve, I win the point and then you serve on your side to the opposite side. Correct. Right. That's right. I don't move over. We always stay on our sides as far as serving is concerned. Uh, no, actually, sorry. I may, may have, um, mis mis thought about what you had said. If, if I'm on the ad side or the do side and we win the point, then I do switch to the other side. So you keep serving. Yes, yes. I see. I see. You keep serving is, until we lose, until we lose a serve or, or win the game. Yeah, I, I would keep serving until we um, don't score a point, and then my partner would also have a chance to serve. And then if my partner, you know, if we uh, essentially have a side out, then the other team gets to serve. So if you're playing doubles, both people on each team always get to serve kind of within the same rotation. Ah, I see. I didn't realize that. So you serve and we, we win a point and then you serve again and we, we lose that point. Then I, on your team get to serve again. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, we don't, we don't lose the serve. And then, and then once I lose, it goes to their side and both of them get to serve. Correct. Very interesting. Very interesting. Subtle, subtle changes. Very interesting. And then 
I noticed a lot of the, uh, I, I'd call them pros. I can't tell who's not a pro or not a pro, but some actually use two hands when they're swinging the paddle. That's true. A lot of people who have that tennis background and use a two-handed backhand. Yeah, I do. Will, yeah, use two hands on the paddle. And what's interesting about that is that coming from a racquetball background, I always just had one hand on my racket. Mm. But I've discovered the reason for putting two hands on my paddle is to get more power and to have more stability. So as I, as my game has improved, as I play against people who do hit the ball harder, then I need to have more stability and, and power in my game. So that is absolutely something that I'm putting into my game. And, you know, if you're a tennis player and you already do that, I highly recommend it. Yeah, staying with it. Yeah, I, I just noticed in my tennis, and I just, when I came down here to, to, to winter now, my club where I play golf has great clay tennis courts. So I just, you know, kind of found my passion again in tennis. And I just noticed that I remember I went to a two-handed backhand just for those reasons. It was a little more stable and a little bit more power, whereas one hand I would kind of, you know, dink it a bit or kind of float it or backspin. Let's talk about that. In your podcast, you talk to these very excellent players who are not household names, which I hope become, uh, about spinning the ball how you can actually spin the ball and cut the ball. Right. Yeah. I, I've had a number of people on the podcast talking about spin. You can spin the ball when you serve it. So if just, if you use just one hand, you can spin the ball before you serve. There's also a lot of spin involved when you return the ball on a serve. It really should be a slice return, kind of similar to what you might hit in mm. tennis mm. with that wiffle ball you can really put an amazing amount of spin on it. And, you know, my background as a racquetball player, slice was natural. I've learned how to hit topspin and topspin can also be very, very effective. So, and, you know, with that, with that wiffle ball, essentially, you can hit lots of side spin, you know, curving in, in different directions. So as your game, as you increase in skill level, spin definitely becomes something that you can use to your advantage. Absolutely. Now in racquetball, it's a very wristy, wristy kind of flipping and you're going to the wall and you're, but in, in pickleball, it seems that that's, it transit translates a little bit more to the forearm and to, to the, to the elbow we kind of mentioned before. Was that a difficult transition for you? For me? No, not really. I mean, I, I can use my wrist more than most people in pickleball just because I had done it for so many years and played fairly high level racquetball, but I, I wouldn't really teach hmm. that to anybody. And it's easier to be consistent if you keep your wrist firm. So definitely something that I, I highly recommend. You know, and as a kid, we would play wiffle ball. And while I wasn't that good at it, I had friends who would pitch that wiffle ball and make that bad boy, you know, cut three feet before it got to the plate. You know, so you could put a lot of a lot of English, a lot of junk on that ball in either direction. And plus it's played outdoors. So the wind becomes a factor as well. That's true. You can play at a local park, certainly. You know, there's so many dedicated pickleball courts that are being built. In fact, I think there's some new ones in Wallingford at Harrison Park that really? they're going to start breaking ground on. Yes. I think they're supposed to be ready, hopefully by, by May. 
And, um, you know, you know, indoor here, cause you know, I'm still in Connecticut at, at the yes. moment, even though I was in California for a month, but you know, there's almost every YMCA nowadays will have pickleball in it. There's dedicated facilities throughout the country. There's one in Oxford, Connecticut, and, uh, you know, any, any place that has a, a gym with, with basketball nowadays, they're inviting, you know, people to play pickleball because it's there's if you think about it there's so many people who are 50 and over who play pickleball and so they can play during the day so if you've got a basketball court it's inside it's not being used we'll start put down some pickleball lines and you'll be you'll have <laughs> you have actually I went to the YMCA today today and there's a three-hour block for pickleball today and I, I think I went about 1 30 or so and and because it that's when it tends to be less busy there was three courts. So you've, you've got four people on a court, 12 people, and then there was 20 plus people waiting. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> just incredible. Wow. Yeah. Plus it's January. Everybody's itching, you know, to, to, to yep. get out there now, but Lynn, uh, many people will, will get a new sport. will adopt it. You know, we'll, we'll get infatuated by it, play, you know, watch it, but you create, the biggest podcast in the sport, you have the, the, the largest magazine. What, why did you go to those extra levels for this sport? And why do you continue to? Well, you know, it's funny. It was right after I started playing, I'm like, I really love this game. And so I, I started a website just, you know, kind of as a hobby website, website, website. had no, no intentions with it other than just to share information for other players and I, I did that for, you know, I guess a year or so. And then really it was October of 2020 and I wasn't doing much, you know, mm. due to COVID. And I thought, I've got all this extra time other than go for a walk, which could be extremely cold. I'm not doing anything. So I thought, well, I actually do have a journalism background. Had a bachelor's <laughs> in communication, used to be a sports writer, for newspapers and magazines, I thought, well, why not start a podcast? Because that's, I'm used to interviewing people, even though I haven't done it in, you know, 20 plus years. So I started the podcast and it was very well received. Typically on, on Mondays, I release an, an episode that has to do with, you know, uh, how to play it's from a pro or a high level instructor. And then on Thursdays, I usually interview somebody from, from the industry, whether it's a paddle manufacturer or somebody running tournaments. And then I realized with the podcast, honestly, I had so much content from the interviews. Huh. I thought, well, you know, there's not everybody listens to podcasts, even though we all do. You know, not everybody does. And, and given the demographics of Pickleball, I thought, you know, with all this content, I'm going to put out a digital magazine. So I, uh, I started doing that in, in January. It's just just been over a year that I've had the, had the magazine going. So it's it's been uh, quite a ride. Incredible. And it's, it's helping spread the game. Uh, I certainly wouldn't have, you know, looked into it if I didn't, you know, if, if we didn't contact each other, I mean, I certainly heard of it, but I, I wouldn't have. And, you know, I, I, I applaud you for doing that, taking your passion to the next level. It's amazing what's been kind of born out of being locked up for the, you know, the darn pandemic, you know, and um, you use your talents and kind of focus it in another area. It's, um, it's really, really cool. And I applaud you for that, Lynn. You know, on the podcast, um, 
we talk a lot about discipline. You know, I lost a lot of weight and people always ask me how, like it's some kind of magic trick or something and like they're going to get some secret and I just, well, it's just discipline, you know. Uh, you seem like a, a, a disciplined person. Uh, talk to me how discipline enters into your life. I have to say, I, I think I've always been disciplined and I think the combination that goes with that is that I can also kind of delay gratification. You know, I think mm. the the podcast and the magazine and even even when I went to school I actually have a have a uh, doctorate degree in uh, uh, cognitive in really in sports psychology and you know that so I I had a lot of schooling and you know I I didn't really know what life was going to be like when I was done because I chose not to go the academic route where I was teaching at a university so you know that that took a lot of discipline it was a really tough program. I think there was 21 people who entered the program with me, half men, half women, only seven of us completed our PhD. And I was the only female, interestingly mm. enough. Um, so it, it did take a lot of discipline and, and dedication to do what was needed, not only from an academic perspective, but also to support myself financially, because I was 29 years old when I started that program. So I wasn't, wasn't really young. And um, so you know, I've just been, I can, I can do things not knowing what, if I'm going to benefit from something financially and I'm perfectly okay with that as long as I enjoy it. Hmm. So it's kind of that delayed gratification in my case. I can, I can stand it. Delayed gratification. It's a wonderful sentiment and, and concept. I mean, as far as pickleball itself, I, I would see that there are some that would use it for exercise and recreation, and there are some that would use it for competition. And, you know, because they need that as, you know, some people just thrive on that. And there'd be a fairly amount of discipline in either case with that as well. That's very true. And what, what I would say, you know, for anybody who is thinking that they need to be more active going and playing pickleball, it does not feel like punishment. You know, mm. thinking about, oh, I got to go to the gym. I've got to run. I've got to ride the bike. I've got to lift weights. You know, very few people, I think, truly enjoy doing that. I can't tell you how many people love pickleball. They don't hesitate to get up off the couch and go do it. I mean, between it being easy on your body it being incredibly fun, it being super social, it can be competitive, it can be so many different things that it just gives you that opportunity to be able to be successful and to be disciplined about something without a whole lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. And again, with the, with the obese and overweight numbers in our country, it's 75% or right around there. I mean, just, you know, um, Get out there. People want to walk. People, if you if if you can't walk because you just find it boring or, like you say, punishment. You know, all too often when I was a child, I played soccer and and punishment was go run a lap. You know, I, I feel one of the worst things a coach could do because you don't want to make exercise punishment. You know, you want to have exercise as something that you want to do that's inviting. Uh, but go out and uh, you know and. and play pickleball, you know, something you get active, plus it's social, plus to get the heart rate going a little bit. And for those junkies who want the competitive, you know, aspect, it's there as well. Um, it just seems like it's a one size fits all. Lynn Cherry, what motivates you? Oh, 
what motivates me? You know, I tend to be intrinsically motivated. You know, I, if I, I do things because I enjoy it. Mm. You know, I, I can't, if, if I don't enjoy something, I, I don't do it. So if I have a, you know, in the, in the past, I've been in the corp, in and out of the corporate world. And when I get to the point where I don't enjoy it, I'm, I take my leave. And mm. actually I did that. I did that here recently about six months ago. So I am, um, I am all in on, on pickleball. Let's just put it that wow. way because I love it. Wow. Wow. Incredible. And how do you measure success? How do I measure success? Ooh. I would have to almost give the same answer. Um, mm. If if I in, enjoy it and I'm improving and I'm progressing and, you know, then that, that works for me. Very, very well said. Well, I, the next time we talk, Lynn, I, I will have paid, played numbers of hours of pickleball. I, I make that promise to you and I will do it very soon. I have no excuse. It's, you know, 70 degrees here. Uh, and I, now I know I just found some pickleball courts over the weekend. I'm going to order some equipment and I'm going to rope some friends into it and uh, we're going to have some fun. And you are, your podcast is excellent. You do a really good, great job of interviewing these people again, uh, which I hope become household names and how they spin the ball and their attitude towards it. And, um, I haven't seen your magazine. I, I look forward to subscribing to that. But Lynn, thank you so much for your time today. I, um, I, 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 I want to, the, the obesity epidemic is a serious one, perhaps the largest in our country. If we can get out and find a great exercise like this that can really check all the boxes and get us active again, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. And thank you so much for having me on today. I'm so glad we could connect. Me too. Lynn, thank you so much. You're an inspiration. Uh, I look forward to continuing to listen and to, to watch you. And when I get back north, we'll have a cup of coffee and also perhaps hit the pickleball a little bit. Is it Absolutely. called the pickleball? Is the ball called the pickleball? Yes. Yes, it, it okay. is. So I, I heard that theory too. I didn't want to voice it until I heard it from you. But yeah, that's what I heard because nothing else resembles a pickle. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know, um, yeah, that's what I had read too, that it was named after the dog pickle. Very, very cool. Lynn, thank you so much for your time. I look forward to uh, finally uh, meeting you face to face. And until then, we'll continue to watch and listen. You be well. Bye now. Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information, the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider $5, 10 or $20 a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. It's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? $25, $50, $100, $500, $1,000, $5,000. You be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. 
Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Penn's Disciplined Conversations.